Uh, my presentation is called How to Make Games Until We're 80. Um, my name is Joel Hockenex. I'm a game designer for Stormrunner Teacup, which is a small indie studio in Rome, Italy. Uh, we've been around for a bit over five years now, and we've released four games so far, the latest one being Close to the Sun, which just came out last month, actually, on the Epic Game Store. Um, now, as I mentioned, our company is quite small. Close to the Sun was made by a team of 10 to 15 people over the course of two years and a few months. And it's by, large, by, by far the largest title we've done yet. And if you've missed it, I'll show some video and, and a trailer coming up soon uh, to kind of showcase pieces of the game. Uh, Close to the Sun is basically a horror adventure game set in an alternate take on history in which Nikola Tesla's ambition and creativity came to full fruition. Uh, it's fairly light on mechanics, but heavy on atmosphere and story. And we received a lot of acclaim for the visuals. Kotaku, for example, wrote that Close to the Sun is an indie Bioshock, but without the combat. Uh, the game takes an average of five to six hours to complete, and it's been doing really well for us. Now, um, that said, it's not perfect. Uh, we learned a ton making this game. Uh, my goal with this talk will be to tell you about some of the lessons that we learned while developing Close to the Sun. And in the spirit of GDUX, try to focus a bit more on the human side of the story and, and less on the nitty-gritty tutorial pieces, how we did this or that. So specifically, I want to try to frame the lessons that we took from Close to the Sun around uh, how to apply them for long and healthy careers within game development. I will try to use our Close to the Sun project as a sort of micro lens to make macro commentary on what I feel that we need to keep in mind in order to have healthy and long-term careers in game development. So first off, appreciate the process. And by appreciate, I mean be aware and conscious of it, but also that you should value and enjoy it. A few months ago at GDC, Sean Murray from Hello Games gave a fantastic talk about the importance of grit in game development. And I'm going to highlight one of his graphs uh, that I think deserves a bit more attention to make largely the same point that he did. So this is a graph of happiness over time during development of Hello Games No Man's Sky. And as you can see, uh, Concept and ideas tends to be fun. They're exciting and full of potential. Then in pre-production, some of the first sacrifices are made as ideas and theory suffer its first contact with reality. Maybe the game doesn't quite need to have all of the bells and whistles that were initially conceptualized. Now those sacrifices sting, but the solutions are generally quite simple, just cut a few features and scale down the vision a bit. Then once you reach production, that's when simple solutions won't really cut it anymore. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place, making sacrifices that hurt and artistic compromises that are expedient, but not quite the solutions that you had hoped to find. Then before you have time to catch your breath, release is approaching and everything is on fire. 
I find that this graph uh, captures my own experiences fairly well. I can map some of my own development stories to this downtrending graph with a decent degree of accuracy. Some of the projects have gone better, some have gone worse. Um, and I know that this downtrending graph looks kind of depressing, uh, always going downhill. But some of the best work in, an, in our industry still gets made with a contentment graph looking a lot like that. Uh, if you've been watching interviews and behind the scenes stuff uh, for last year's uh, Game of the Year, God of War, then I'm sure that you've heard uh, their creative director, Corey Barlog, uh, talk about the doubt that they had to go through in order to ship their game. Uh, and I'm just speculating here. I don't have any real data on this. But uh, I'm sure that on the day when they had to cut several levels and pieces of Atreus' character arc, that was probably a pretty rough time. Uh, the point is that uh, satisfaction will hopefully come afterwards, post-release, not necessarily during development. Uh, I believe Neil Gaiman, the famous writer, he once said that he doesn't always enjoy the process of writing, but he loves having written. And game development can sometimes be similar in that regard. Now, ideally, if we're maximizing for contentment, we would want a flat graph. Start happy, stay happy, end happy. And in that one, our ability to conceptualize the game and predict development difficulties is perfect. But it never really works out that way. No battle plan ever really survives contact with the enemy. Uh, that downward graph, as far as I can tell, is by far the most common representation of contentment during development. Uh, I should stress, though, that it's not universal. Uh, Justin Ma and Matthew Davis of uh, Subset Games, uh, the makers of FDL and Into the Breach, uh, their contentment graph looked a bit like that. Uh, in their own words, they enjoyed the first half of the first half and the second half of the second half. In their case, uh, they've been working without a deadline and spent years right there in the middle searching for the identity of the game that they wanted to create. They were constantly iterating and throwing stuff in and out. Uh, but that situation of uh, being able to work without strict time pressure, that's a rarity. Chances are that if you're in the industry making games, your contentment graph, graph will probably resemble the first more than the second. And this is more or less what it looked like working on Close to the Sun. Uh, things were going great initially, but some ways into the development, we had to make a tough call that changed the nature of the project quite significantly. Uh, I'll get back to this decision and explain it in a bit more detail later. Uh, but the project moved on, and after some initial soul-searching, similar to what Into the Breach went through, we eventually found our path and things were going pretty well for us. Then coming in on the home stretch, we had a production hiccup that we tried to recover from and, and didn't quite uh, land everything. But um, for now, I just want you to focus on that uh, general trend of, of going downhill. Um, despite the looks of this, 
just knowing that this tends to be the general curve that most projects go through, that actually helps. That takes the edge off. Uh, if, if you're prepared and, and, and pacing yourself ahead of time, uh, then uh, just going through the, the project becomes much easier. Uh, and no matter where you are on that graph, uh, you'll always be going into work uh, with colleagues aiming for the same thing, trying to get as, as good of a game as, as possible. So uh, as long as you pace yourself for that ride, then, then you'll be fine. Um, yeah, now moving on to a little bit more of a controversial topic, the, the romance and corrosiveness of crunch. So if we're going to make games until we're 80, crunch is an issue that we're going to have to address. There's no way around that. Uh, but before I touch on this, Emily Grace Buck gave a, a great presentation on the dynamics of crunch just two days ago, right here on, on GDUX. So if you haven't seen her presentation already, don't miss it. I mean, uh, it was it was really great. Uh, I think her presentation was called uh, Creative Life in Game Dev, and it was super insightful. She talked about the many things that were wrong and unjust about the pro uh, practice of crunch. Uh, she talks about how exploitative it can be and how truly harmful it can be health-wise. Uh, but more importantly, she talks about that sinister group pressure dynamic uh, where a person who isn't able to contribute uh, the unstated minimum amount of overtime hours, uh, they're looked down upon not only by management, but their peers as well. Uh, but the reason I bring all of this up is crunch is a complex issue, more so than we often like to give it credit for. If crunch was as simple as it being bad, we would, we would have solved it already. Uh, there are nuances to crunch that is important that we address if we're going to have an honest and comprehensive discussion of it. So uh, part of, of that nuance is that crunch can actually be fun. Crunch can be exciting, not necessarily for everyone, but for some. Uh, crunch can also be that team building furnace that forges a group of people into an effective game development machine. Uh, I, and I know how blasphemous this sounds, especially considering the much needed backlash to crunch that we've seen over the last year. I mean, it was in the New York Times. Uh, so to help make my point on the nuances of crunch, I want to read you a quick quote from the fantastic book, Significant Zero, Heroes and Villains and the Fight for Art in Sold in Video Games by Walt Williams. Now, I should clarify that this is only a short paragraph and he has a lot more to say uh, than we have time to cover here. But uh, here's, here's the piece that's relevant for, for our discussion today. Mm. It's only crunch if you don't want to do it. Crunch isn't a pandemic or a death march. It's not even exclusive to the games industry. If anything, crunch is a natural occurrence brought on by the creative process. Uh, 
driven by passion, artists give themselves entirely to their art. When art exists in a collaborative medium, crunch will always deal collateral damage. How much damage you personally sustain will always be inversely related to your investment in the project. So there's a ton to dig into there. First, uh, contrary to what Walt writes here, uh, I think an argument can be made that crunch kind of is a pandemic in game development culture. And in some cases, it can really be a death march, 100-hour uh, work weeks, etc. Uh, again, Emily Gray's book uh, made the case quite well, really eloquently. Uh, but back to, to Walt, he's right in the sense that uh, crunch isn't exclusive to the games industry. Uh, for those of you who had the misfortune of watching the final season of Game of Thrones, uh, the the long night episode uh, that made uh, the long night episode that was only made possible by fifty five consecutive night shoots. Uh, that's basically two months nonstop out in the freezing cold. And I'm from Sweden. I know cold. That's not something that you're gonna want to do. Uh, so as uh, much as we game developers like to talk about crunch and the sacrifices that we make for our art, we shouldn't pretend to be alone in this. And we could probably learn quite a lot from looking at how these other industries organize their workers for tasks just like that. Um, but what I really want to focus on in this paragraph is that middle part. When art exists in a collaborative medium, crunch will always deal uh, collateral damage. That's the really scary part. And uh, it follows that if you have a big team, the chances for collateral damage go way up. Uh, you might be really invest invested in the project and, and not suffer the consequences yourself. But in a big team, your colleague will suffer the, those uh, uh, that damage. So uh, let me try to get specific here. Uh, if you have a large 100-man, uh, 200-man team, chances are pretty good that a number of those members on that team isn't fully invested in the project. But if you're a small five-man team, chances that one of those five isn't fully invested in the project is much smaller. Now, again, it's not zero, mind you but the odds are smaller. Also, if you're a member of a smaller team, your creative decisions tend to have an immediate and transformative impact, and you're thereby really close to that artistic process that makes it easier for you to tap into those enjoyable aspects of crunch. Uh, but if you're part of a large machine, uh, it can be difficult to stay invested during crunch when the complexities and bureaucracy of running a large team puts distance between your contribution and the art. You have office politics and, and all of that that really factor in as you scale teams up. Now, I'm, of course, generalizing quite heavily here. And I don't mean to say that crunch in small teams should be given a free pass, not at all. But I do mean to say that crunch in big teams is 
probably always not okay, simply due to the collateral damage that they're pretty much guaranteed to cause. In theory, the administration of large teams should be able to handle planning in a way that's robust enough to avoid it, but we're not living in those times yet or that reality. Uh, similarly to how difficult it is to attain that perfect contentment graph where you start happy, you stay happy, and you end happy, uh, so too is it really difficult to keep crunch out of the artistic process of making games. Uh, making games is really hard, and scheduling it is really difficult. Um, it is, however just really tempting to issue a simple blanket statement saying that all crunch at all times just causes needless suffering. It would feel ethically and morally correct to do that, um, maybe because there's a lot of truth right there. But I also know that the artist in me works best in those pressure cooker situations. And I know that when I'm fully invested in a project, when I'm in love with what I'm working on, there is a certain romance to be working side by side with your colleagues fighting against time. There's a adrenaline rush there. There's a camaraderie that has real long lasting uh, value. I did military service in Sweden many, many years ago, and crunch is the closest thing that I've come to to relive that sense of fellowship in civilian life. And just like I don't necessarily long for those arduous days in the military, neither do I long for those arduous days and, and weeks doing crunch. Uh, but I must recognize that both of those experiences have enriched me in ways that I can look back upon somewhat fondly. Uh, I recognize that saying this, I'm walking on really thin ice, and for good reason. Uh, the kind of crunch that is commonplace in the industry, the corrosive kind, that really just has to end. Uh, which is strange to me to say, given how I just lauded the romance of crunch. Um, so to address this contradiction, let me explain how we do crunch in Storm in a Teacup. We, just like everyone, tries to keep crunch to a minimum. But when our plans fail, which they still do, we're getting better at it, but we're not perfect yet. Uh, we crunch one week on, one week off, uh, never weekends. So during crunch, uh, during crunch week at our studio, we keep the tempo as high as we can and often end up eating dinner in the office. Then in the normal week in between, we clean up our mistakes and set things up for the next crunch week. Uh, we have broken our own rules, I won't lie, even during close to the sun. Uh, but it's rare. And I realize that this might almost sound leisurely to some. Uh, I mean, uh, this is not the uh, really uh, sole 
uh, crushing type of crunch that we sometimes read about over the past year or so. Uh, but this somewhat measured approach has allowed us to step on the gas when needed to, while not completely ruining our social lives and marriages in the process. We have found that this allows the masochists among us to suffer for the art and really dive in deep into the creative process without dragging everyone else down into the abyss with them. That week in between, that allows everyone to do their shorts and, and take care of other real-life aspects that gets put on hold during crunch. And even this is by no means a perfect solution, uh, but it's, it, it is the compromise that we have found that works well for us. And it did allow us to push certain aspects of Close to the Sun without causing egregious harm to ourselves. If we're going to make games until we're 80, then avoiding that corrosive and soul-destroying kind of crunch uh, is crucial. So, uh, final point here. Uh, shape the project around the team or the team around the project. Mm. That sounds like obvious advice. And just like most obvious advice, it's easy to grasp, but harder to actually do. Uh, we're going to backtrack to that decision I spoke about earlier during the development of Close to the Sun. Uh, we took a decision that changed the course of the project going forward. But in order for me to explain that decision, I need to put it into context. So here's Lantern. Lantern is a small game, the, the one that we made just before embarking into Close to the Sun. It was a short six month or so project about a sky lantern spreading colors into a gray world. Now, somehow in a haze of excitement and a little bit of hubris, we decided to implement VR mode uh, midway through development. Uh, so yeah not our finest decision-making moment. Um, looking back on it, it's obviously a really bad call, uh, but our eagerness to see what we could do with VR clouded any inhibitions we might have had, and it promptly, promptly increased our workload manifold. This led to very little time for polish, resulting in a rougher-than-intended experience for everyone. And I still have a soft spot for Lantern, but needless to say, uh, the game didn't have enough time in the game development oven to become what we wanted it to be. Uh, so jump forward about a year, we're now some ways into the development of Close to the Sun, and we're faced with a tough decision. Not whether to add something completely out of left field, but whether we should cut something that we had come halfway into implemented and kind of counted on. So this is a slide from a presentation that I gave after our course correction. Uh, we decided to cut the feature that we affectionately called the Tesla tool, which was a handheld device that the player would use to solve problems and activate machinery in the game. Now, cutting that, uh, it effectively eliminated one of the pillars that we had counted on for varied gameplay. This meant that going forward, we were going to have to readjust the game quite substantially. And this decision also 
happened later than what it probably should have. But thanks to our experience with Lantern, we looked at our team and what the project demanded, and we uh, altered the project to fit the team, which was something that we hadn't really done with Lantern. Uh, it, it was a tough call to make at the time, and like most tough calls, uh, it didn't necessarily feel like the right call at the time. It kind of felt like we crippled ourselves. Um, but it was definitely the, the right call, uh, looking back on it in, in hindsight. Uh, we didn't have the team that we needed to achieve everything that we wanted in, in uh, that initial version of Close to the Sun. So we had to reshape it to fit the, the uh, muscle and, and manpower that we had available. Um, so, uh, how to make games until we're 80. If we can appreciate the process uh, and, you know, pace ourselves to the, uh, you know, uh, friction that comes when uh, taking an idea and a, a, a concept and, and trying to put it on screen, if we can pace us for that ride and if we can avoid the really corrosive kind of crunch and... Uh, not you know hit a brick wall uh, as we're working and and then shape the projects that we're working on according to the teams that we have then uh, then hopefully we can all make really good games and keep doing that until we're 80. so yeah if you have any questions or comments at all feel free to shoot me an email i'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities and uh yeah, let's make good games. Hey, Joel, we're going to follow in your footsteps, man. I really like the week-on, week-off strategy, you know, especially since... Huh. What did you say? Uh, you, can you hear me? Uh, your audio is uh, uh, cutting out a little bit. Oh, he says our audio is cutting out a little bit. So all I was going to say was uh, I'll speak slower. <laughs> uh, Joel, we really appreciate your, your talk. And thanks for showing the example of the week on, week on, or week on, week off style of crunch. It's something I actually haven't experienced yet, but I think that I could see myself thriving in that environment a lot longer sure. than obviously a, con a constant or continuous crunch. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, it, the fact that you guys yeah. even recognize, like, hey, you were giving you an opportunity to live your life, to handle your responsibilities as a person, although we still have to maintain an accelerated pace. We can't let go of the grand goal, which is you are a human being and you have a work relationship with us, but we have to respect the fact that, you know, we are only asking for maybe eight to 10 or more hours of your work day, mm. but then the other half of mm. that belongs to you. Your whole life belongs to you. Your own life needs, mm. your family's needs, your children's needs is important to us as a company. Yeah. So here's the best we can do given that, sure, we, we would rather not crunch, but we kind of have to, to keep this business going. So this is the best thing that we believe we can work out. And I guess, what's the attitude about it at your studio? How does everyone seem to be responding to this type of crunch method as compared to like other places who probably like, well, we crunch till we're done and then we're done. Uh, yeah, uh, well, none of us have gotten divorced yet. So mm. that's a win. Winning track uh, record so far. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so far uh, this model, uh, we, 
crunches still that, you know, break the glass only when you really have to type of situation. Uh, and we're, we're trying to get better at planning so that we never have to break the glass. Uh, but uh, that is really difficult. Um, so, so far, this just allows us to uh, recharge in that week in between, because doing crunch on end just uh, week after week, uh, you hit diminishing returns real yeah. fast. Uh, that first week of crunch, you're, you're still you know, on fire. Uh, that that's kind of exciting, but uh, after that, uh, it it goes downhill real fast. So we find that putting a rest week or or a week where we uh, continue to work normal hours, but tend to everything that we have left undone at home, we uh, have time to do our la laundry vacuum the apartment, etc. We go out to dinner with our spouses and, and so on. Uh, that week in between is kind of crucial. Just so you know, you're getting a lot of support in Twitch chat. I'm seeing people saying like, I'm actually just going to implement this in my life. Or mm -hmm. when I start my own studio, I'm going to implement this method in the event that I need to crunch as well. So you've actually already inspired change mm -hmm. uh, just in the hour of doing awesome. this presentation. Mm -hmm. So imagine once people start watching this on YouTube or the replays over the next right, couple of right, years. Right. Like, it's going to be huge. And it is, it is like the most sensitive issue when it comes to our industry, right? Um, I, I don't think it's yeah. clear cut as like no crunch forever type of mentality. But I think the way it's implemented is very uh, important, right? Mm -hmm. The way, you know, if it's self-imposed crunch, no one's going to tell you how to live your life, right? Obviously, if you're trying to finish something, sure. I, I, I go through the same thing right now that, you know, my, my schedule is changing. You know, we're focusing on our own business and everything. And the days just fly by. And if I just stay, uh, make it confined within my eight-hour window, you know, I probably won't get things done. And a lot of it is self, no one's telling me to do this. And in those type of situations, it's okay. Like, it, it is completely up to you. Uh, the, the times that it isn't okay is when they kind of waver that, like, guilt right it's like well i'm like my kids yeah. about to play soccer and i'm gonna miss that even well i mean everybody else's kid is gonna be missed so why aren't yours so it's like it's those type of sticky situation where you're forcing people and like overpowering them that yeah. that's that's when i think when people like this is enough i think and cheap manipulations are aggravating yeah. to me yeah. okay everyone uh who's, who's who's gonna be here this weekend for crunch no 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 you're like who who yeah. hey hey brandon tomorrow uh uh, Saturday, uh, what, do you, what do you want to have for lunch? It's like, that's my own business. <laughs> but it's like one of those things, it's like trying to get you to come yeah, yeah. in on the weekends. It's like, well, uh, well, Steve over there is having uh, yeah. spaghetti. Yeah. What, what are you having? He's yeah. like, well, I'm having my own damn lunch in my own damn home. So stop asking. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, um, Emily Grace Buck, uh, her, her talk right here on, on G-Ducks was mm. amazing. And she goes into depth when it comes to that. Uh, just uh, the, the collateral damage that comes with crunch. Uh, all of the colleagues that now feel forced to show up at work on a Saturday morning, uh, that, uh, that guilt and the, the isolation that you sometimes might suffer if you're not there, uh, that's 
that's something that just has to go. Uh, yeah. There is. I, there I is don't think that you can have a healthy long-term uh, career without getting burnt out uh, yeah. along the way uh, if you uh, continue on, on that kind of model. And there is something worth talking about because I think that this is probably something, you know, like the salary level versus salary level. I bet you a lot of salary people are like, I'll do anything I can to not crunch. Oh, and yeah. you have some hourly people might look forward to it because they're like, hey, well, this is an opportunity to get time and a half, potentially double time. Uh, and so maybe they step into going into crunch a little differently. But I bet, right, those excitement levels will probably merge past a certain point, regardless of you getting double time or not, if you're missing. Yeah, and this kind of ties into Matt uh, Viglione's talk yesterday yeah. about socialist uh, revenue sharing inside the studio. Uh, like, the measures have to be defined. Yeah. It's like, if it's something that we all benefit from me crunching, then yes. But if you're telling me today and tomorrow is exactly the same, uh, whether I crunch or not, it's a harder situation. It's like, well, I'm going to miss out uh, because you're just weighing out uh, your pros and cons, right? So I'm going to miss out on life if I'm going to be here and I'm going to get paid the same. So what sacrifices am I making to just please your pockets? Right? I've always wondered about like executive crunch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. All the managers like, okay, so everyone's going to be here. All right, great guys. <laughs> Do great work. The executive crunch is like this. Oh, my God. I got to lay off like 20 people tomorrow. What do I do? But, I mean, like, that's just true. Yeah. That is true. I mean, we've had executives uh, not on the podcast, but in our own work one. life. We should get yeah. one so they can explain on their side. But uh, we all, we've all we all been a part of those late crunches. And we've all been part of those, like, team meetings where they would display, like, uh, you know, I took one stroll around the office one day. Oh, uh, I and, I, and, and these are the <laughs> individuals that yeah, yeah, yeah. actually cared, this, all right? This, and they just out, outed the, 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 the overachievers oh, in front man. of, like, a room full of 200 developers. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, right? And that. so that's obviously the wrong approach to kind of promote, like, uh, care and passion, right? Because obviously everyone has a different situation. And obviously people work hmm. differently. Well, doesn't mean like 10 hours of your time is as efficient as my eight hours. I think know? the easiest way to step on that argument is how many days in total does it take to make the game? How can you identify in one day that a list of people are the only people that cared about? Exactly. Products? It's a, it's a, you're, you're just, uh, you're just taking a section of game development yeah. and kind of checks ex blanket statement about who's working hard and who, who's yeah. not. And, uh, but those are the type of pressures that needs to be removed, right? Uh, an easy conversation is like, I crunch, okay, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Is my, my, my share in the game uh, success is just as good, yeah. Yeah, and th there's, to some degree, this uh, defeatist attitude when it comes to crunch uh, in the sense that uh, it's part of game development culture so solidly now that we don't fight it as solidly as we probably should. Um, in Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat and Pixels, the triumphant and turbulent stories behind how video games are made, uh, he quotes uh, Neil Druckmann uh, of um, The Last, Last of Us. And, and yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Neil Druckmann says, uh, to solve crunch, probably the best you could do is say, don't try to make game of the year. Don't do that, and you're good. And as much as I love his work, uh, and I respect all of the 
uh, effort and, and blood, yeah. sweat and, and pixels that goes into making uh, those games that they produce, uh, that's uh, kind of defeatist in, in the sense that uh, they all already have accepted that crunch will be a part of the cycle. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I doubt uh, until we, we get tools that are magically faster and better, uh, which they are getting faster and better, but they're going to need to get significantly faster and better, and our planning of projects has to become uh, so much better uh, before we can uh, honestly say that uh, we can develop games without crunch. Uh, crunch is, uh, uh, as I was trying to make the case here, uh, there are many aspects to it, and some of it is just uh, our own wish to see our art and our work in the best possible light, meaning that we put more of ourselves uh, into it than, than the hours uh, allow. Uh, so it's, it's a issue that is probably going to stay with us for a long time, but there are, even if we accept that it's a part of it, uh, there, there are ways that we can, uh, you know, at least compensate for crunch and, and limit the damage that crunch creates. Uh, we, we shouldn't just uh, accept it as a uh, demon in, in, on the side uh, that, that is, is necessary. Uh, we, we should be able to reduce the size of that demon. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's not always even game of the year is the reason why you have crunch. Sometimes you're working on game of don't have the studio shut down. I will say this. If crunch is the only way to make good games, it's like it's truly the way to be the last of us. It's like yeah. how many people, how many developers left are you going to rely on? Uh, and, and it's a constant issue. It's like you have to constantly look at that meter. If you're going to unleash the crunch, right, you got to be ready and, and, and control the collateral damage uh, because uh, obviously uh, a lot of speakers uh, have have shared like this culture and, and know what they're talking about and obviously Joel you've been through this you know there's various degrees and you got to be ready and you got to be able to pull back when you're just overworking people and um, it, it's very important right because this this industry this is a creative process that constantly needs experienced developers to be around each other and keep doing what they're doing so they don't repeat the mistakes because if we're always growing while we're in the process and if we don't have those vets around to kind of warn us to avoid that pothole and all those ditches and all you know step over that corpse uh everyone being burned out then it's just gonna make us make worser games i mean that's just the way it is how many experienced developers leave a, a, a great company or whatever and then form new 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 companies and then obviously don't succeed just as well because that that synergy that a team shares during those three years being able to work off each other and able to produce is gonna it's a spark that goes missing as soon as you start over again you can't just put it on one person's shoulder and say he created this therefore if he moves to another team he can recreate that it's like it's so rare and and rarely happens right so i've got a question for you from uh, hoxie 3d 
the question here is oh so this is in regards to your week on week off i assume and so they're asking directly about anyone in your studio it looks like have you had any flack from individuals with a different mindset as in have you overheard someone say this is so stupid i don't know why we don't just work all the way through until we're done or something of that effect uh not i haven't heard uh that uh mode uh yet anyway uh, maybe the, in the next project who knows but uh, that uh, the, the tempo that we try to keep during crunch week uh, that uh, replicated in, in a longer period of time uh, it might uh, be good in the short term but it's going to have long lasting uh, effects if 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 you take uh, a, a two-week crunch of, of just really intense non-stop uh, crunch, the, the time that it takes for you to recover from that two weeks is going to be longer than if you just do a, one week uh, and then rest a few days and then one week again. Uh, the, the longer you stretch crunch, uh, the deeper into the abyss you basically go and it's going to take you longer to kind of crawl back to normalcy uh, so we found anyway that uh, if we stack crunch upon crunch uh, the productivity that uh, we try to regain when we're done with crunch uh, that those weeks after uh, having hit the deadline, having met the, the demon crunch at the door, uh, that that recovery period uh, is so extensive so, uh, so that it's much better to just do it in short bursts and, yeah. and only when needed. All right, so um, one question I do have is like trying to be, uh, I guess, maintain a very high view over the game development process and my understanding of where crunch comes into play. I guess, what about when it's not so much the game developers themselves who have created a situation where they've fallen behind, but let's just say a publisher steps in and makes a necktie demand, like, oh, no, this is the new thing. We have to put this in the game now because Fortnite is going crazy. They, 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 selling dances is the new wave. So tell your animators who are already doing battle animations now, we want them to figure out how to add in 12 to 15 emotes. Joel, put a mocap suit on and start yeah, dancing. Right? Like that's, yeah. Sometimes that's what happens, and then that creates scenarios where the developer's like, this was unplanned, yeah. we are unmanned, yeah. but it is a requirement now. Yeah. And so, Get on it. Yeah. yeah, I guess, how does your studio kind of defend from things like that? Or if you're not in that scenario, I guess, how would you personally try to set yourself up to be successful even when you have a necktie demand like that? Yeah, when, I mean, in a situation like that, uh, it basically comes down to leadership. Uh, if, if the publisher is uh, holding the man bag of money and, uh, you know, won't give it to you to, to pay salaries and, and pay for the project uh, without you meeting those demands, you're going to have to meet those demands. Uh, and basically to then achieve that, uh, in a way that doesn't just slaughter morale, uh, the only way to do that is through good leadership. To have producers uh, uh, that, uh, you know, the, the ones that who are in between uh, the, the publisher and, and the team uh, to 
lead the way and, and to do that in a way that still motivates the people, even if it's a silly, you know, ad dances or, or whatever it might be. The, the only way to, you know, put a ribbon on that turd is through good leadership. Yeah. And I mean, you can see that in, in uh, military as well. Uh, if you have a really uh, crappy, uh, you know, leader, that's going to slaughter morale, uh, regardless of what the task is. Uh, but if you have a great leader, then uh, even obnoxious tasks become so much easier because they are on the front line, you know, leading the way. Yeah, man. You're so wise. I'm, I'm so glad you're high up at a company treating people well, man. Looks like we got another question coming in. Uh, this one's from S. Fernando 79. It says, I'm assuming maybe San Fernando 79, but anyway, I'm not going to get into the enigma of why the name is. But here's the question Why can't crunch be avoided by good project management? Oh, have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good project management uh, is really hard. Um, we're, we're still uh, kind of young as an industry. Uh, I, I look at the movie industry with envy because they have very good structured, uh, you know, systems and, and ways of doing things. Uh, ways of doing things that we can't really replicate well or at least haven't successfully been able to replicate well in the video game industry yet. Uh, Each uh, big studio tends to have very different ways of of doing things and we're still kind of trying to find a a way of approaching big projects and complicated games uh, in a way that doesn't cause crunch we haven't been successful yet uh, we're, we're trying we're, we're doing our best but uh, there are so many moving parts and so many unknown unknowns when it comes to starting a project that uh, that kind of foresight to uh, be able to predict and create enough of a cushion to uh, accommodate for all the things that can go wrong that is uh, still rather difficult i hope that we get there but uh, so far no luck i I mean i think we need to call those 800 number psychics and tell them they can make a killing in game production because they're real (laughs) and their powers are legit yeah. There's a job for them, like that Navy recruitment. Like, are you used to telling people psychic stuff? There's yeah, and, and this just kind of harks back to, like, it's very unpredictable, the game development process, right? Everybody involved, You're even if you are experienced, you're dealing with new ideas and being ambitious the way we are, right? You're always trying to create new tech, create a new way to play, create new things to make it better, uh, especially if it's a sequel or whatever. Uh, Everything you're trying to do is new, right? So unless new means something I did at a different studio and I'm bringing it to this now, uh, it's very hard to predict how exactly uh, things will play out. Um, You just got to be open to the different changes. And unless you have infinite money and resources and time to do things, like your crowdfunded. 
Uh, I'm going to call out Star, Star Citizen so that it's not just an inside joke. I but something like that that has infinite money rolling yeah, in yeah, yeah. and infinite time, you're most likely not going to have a game that comes out. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, it, it's very true. It's a very rare thing. Right, and I'm so jealous of that website, man. It's a great website, but uh, enough, enough punching. But uh, <laughs> I got Larry laughing. Uh, but, but Joel, I completely uh, agree with everything you're saying. Uh, it's not so white or black, right? It's a, it's a thing that every studio has their own way of doing things, and uh, in some cases, uh, everyone agrees. Like there's a, as long as there is an agreement. As long as no one's sacrificing anything else uh, that they don't want to sacrifice, it really is up to an individual or that studio to kind of decide, like, how exactly do we still match up all the resources that other studios might have, but be able to, uh, you know, do it in, you know, half the time or whatever, right? To compete, Mm -hmm. to be competitive. Well, there's a great question that actually was just asked in Twitch, which I think we're all going to enjoy having a take on. And if my eyes don't fail me, it says, I don't understand why the games industry is, what is that, infamous uh, for crunch and layoffs. I don't understand why people are being overworked and then thrown uh, and then thrown, thrown off, off from work, work at the same time. Thank you. Yeah. Is it because of costs or some other reason? Well, yeah, and cost is definitely part of it, but also in the way that we kind of distrib- distribute the profits of games. Um, we were really lucky to have Close to the Sun on the Epic Game Store, which provides a much more competitive and, in my opinion, fair revenue share. Uh, I, I love Steam. I, I was I'm one of the OGs. My yeah. Steam account is like 15 years old. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, that 30% cut that Steam uh, takes, that's steep pretty cut. steep for, for a system that's automated. The Steam platform is so uh, well-crafted now. It was kind of crap when it first came out. Right. But they've had over... Uh, 10 to 15 years of just working on that infrastructure so it's really robust now and most of the processes are automatic uh, epic here is building up their infrastructure it's still a bit rough around the edges mm-hmm. but uh, it's uh, finally a true competitor to steam that allows us to have a more fair uh, yeah. share of, of you know the work that gets put into making games so hopefully uh, that can help you know balance things out so maybe we will still have crunch but we won't quite have as much layoffs yeah. hopefully and I I'll address this from the sense of I understand business a little bit um and I would, I would hate to be in a room where an executive was like looking at profits, looking at mm-hmm. revenues for the year and saying, hey, we're only going to make two games next year. Yeah. We've made $800 million, but we have three teams. Mm-hmm. So we could, we could make $850 million if we cut a team. Again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're not losing anything other than employees that we weren't going to be utilizing because this is our growth plan and we're already going to achieve that. We already have this revenue, but we can create more revenue mm-hmm. by spending less because that is true, right? Like yeah. you have more money available if you spend less of the money that you're using yeah and that's the shareholders love hearing that 
<sighs> and that's what last year was, man. And it, I, I, it's, it's a double tap. Yeah. It's like you already killed me with the crunching, and now you're gonna kill me after yeah. I'm done because uh, you know the quarterly pr- uh, profits are rolling in, and we got to talk to stocks. In my mind, I just have this disdain that like. And this is total generalization, blanket statements, but I wonder how many shareholders of game companies where there's such a churn of the people who actually make the content, I wonder how many of the shareholders know the name of any one person that contributes to the thing that is paying profits and dividends, other than like C-level execs, right? Like, do you know anybody? Do you even know the, the creative director? No, you just do, know the cost. <laughs> so, and that's why uh, this person costs them. Like, it always bothers me. Yeah. And this is just the general thing. Like, yeah. I, I can't say that. Yeah, there's probably shareholders out there that are developers themselves. Yes. So obviously, that immediately disproves. And I, I think that's part of it, so, right? I, like, obviously, Joel, you, you're very intimate with your team. You guys are 10 to 15, so it's a little different. Uh, where mm-hmm. when you talk about crunching, when you're talking about these different things, you can look at that person in the eye and be like, "Am I getting a fair shake? Am I getting a fair deal?" Yeah. At a bigger studio, this is where it's unjust because you kind of see, at least in the recent years, how the system works, right? You hear layoffs left and right. You're at a company that just laid off a bunch of people. And they're like, you know what, you guys, if you guys are passionate, you would put in the time and really push this next game coming out. It's like, dude, <laughs> it's like, how many colleagues said you just laid off? And you're telling me it's, it just doesn't make any more sense anymore so like naturally people are just fighting back and saying well i can't do that or are just leaving i mean, I mean that, that's just the default it's like i won't even bother trying to talk because this is just the way it works around here i'm just gonna leave for another place yeah it's right now it's so expensive to make games that it's very hard for like the people spending 300 million or more to take big risks yes you know like re- go back to playstation one right like yeah. jet moto was like my favorite game yeah how many people probably made Jet Mode? I don't know if either of you guys remember, but maybe like 15 people at the most. I'm just yeah. guessing, right? Yeah. That game still probably sold a couple million copies, and I'm sure if you look at how much it costs to make versus how much they made, they're like, oh, we can make three, four, five more of these. Right, right, right. right now, it's like, we can make another one of these why? if our game is successful. And this you know is exactly I mean? why we have Joel on. Like when we saw you at GDC and saw the type of quality that you guys are putting out, it, it really gave me a lot of motivation because a lot of the indie developers out there are exactly echoing this going back to the days of making quality games with a smaller team because they can afford the ability to fail in in a triple a sense right we don't have to make like or sell 10 million copies to break even anymore which is is where we really went off the rails what kind of target point is what kind of target point is that how many games sell 10 million how many 10 million people you know there's not 10 million people waiting in line to buy your specific game it's 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 like the the such an elite club these days elite club and it's it's a it's not as concentrated as a game industry before everybody are playing everybody are playing games but they're not just playing games on console right it's a divided crowd people are playing on the mobile people are playing uh on other means uh and it's not concentrated anymore so we don't really have like 10 million people just waiting to play your game on one specific system we have three different systems on top of other stuff so it's, it's, it's hard to kind of justify that uh, to anybody uh, and, and, and put that on your shoulders. It's like as, as a developer and like just because you can't plan right, you know, I'm going to kill myself. And my years, my good years to be at this company and be at the risk just if we didn't hit that 10 million and, and, and it's goodbye for me, right? The people who have to do the most work have the least say. Yeah. And that just feels completely backwards and wrong. But. Right. 
and and then Joel, uh, I know we're just ranting now at this point, but we definitely want to uh, hand over the platform to yeah. you. If there's anything else you want to talk about, we do have uh, Storm in the Teacups uh, Twitter handle at the very bottom. If you want to talk to Joel, uh, I, I would assume don't just tweet at the company, but uh, you will be able to find them in other ways. Yeah, D- tweet at the company. <laughs> All right, there you go. He gave us permission. I, yeah. Uh, I I don't have much to say I just want to thank you guys I I know that you've been uh, sitting there for three days you know no breaks just non-stop Uh, very impressive so thank you for for that Uh, Close to the Sun should make um, a debut on consoles coming this fall it's already available on the Epic Steam on the Epic Store so take a look at that and uh Thank you. Guys well, again. we owe you a congratulations on release, by the way. So, congrats on shipping a game, man. That's that's a huge, huge, huge accomplishment in mm-hmm. the career of a developer. Uh, you being leading design over there for you, from designer to designer, man. Another congratulations there, brother. Another <laughs> notch on the belt, man. I can't yeah. wait to finish your game. So, I can't wait to play and finish your game. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right, brother. Have a good evening uh, or morning. I actually don't remember our Let's time. Let's do a difference. virtual fist bump. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, there we go. <laughs> that's our new thing right there. Yeah. All right. All right, man. See ya. Cheers.